Hello and welcome to the Navy Blue Corner. I'm Ian and I'm here for a bit of a trade update and reaction episode because Zach Fisher has officially been traded to North Melbourne. So let's start. Let's break down this deal and have a look at it. In this one, it wasn't maybe the straightforward Zach Fisher for a pick in the end. It's gone a bit more convoluted and I'm going to break it down and see if this is a good deal for Carlton. Now in this, North Melbourne, they obviously receive Zach Fisher, but they also receive Carlton's first round pick for 2023, pick 17. But in return, Carlton get pick 21 and 25 in this year's draft. And honestly, as I said, it wasn't the deal I think we all expected, but the issue with just receiving a pick back from North Melbourne is that Carlton, Nick Austin, and myself, Carlton fans, we weren't really happy with what it was looking at at the start. North kind of offering that third round pick, pick 44, which they end up using in the Dylan Stevens deal. Austin said in public, that's not going to get it done. And I think that that is very much unders for a guy like Zach Fisher. Issue again, North Melbourne's next earliest pick is pick 25. Just that by itself, it feels a bit like overs for Zach Fisher because North Melbourne in these, you know, wheelings and dealings negotiations are saying, look, he's not in your best 22. You dropped him for finals. We're not giving away that pick for him. And in the end, the value from this trade that it picks Zach Fisher at is pick 31. And honestly, I think that's fair enough. In this, you know, North Melbourne, they're going to be pretty happy. They get Fisher. They bring in a highly valuable pick there, pick 17, moving up in the draft because they've got a plethora of draft picks. They don't need the amount that they currently have. They're also potentially looking to trade up to that number one spot, get Harley Reid in. They're wanting talent as high as possible in the draft. And I know what you're thinking. Then why, Carlton, if this pick 17 is a nice one to have? What are Carlton doing? Why are they getting rid of pick 17? Well, I'm going to try and explain that to you because looking at this initially, my first thought was, okay, what are we doing? What's what's this? What's going on? Why are we getting rid of pick 17? But when you look at the trade, it makes a lot of sense because we talked about in our list analysis, trade build-up and preview show that our list is looking pretty good. We're pretty much settled. I would say that 99% of that premiership team is there. It's really just topping up a little couple of areas. Nothing like I think Collingwood did last year, like Sydney and Port are trying to add this year. We don't need that many pieces. One of the big things, though, that we were requiring when looking at the list was simply just bit, just a bit more youth coming through. Feels as if those under 23 we don't have a lot of them because in the last previous seasons, we've really been trading out those first round picks, bringing in guys like Saad, like Adam Chera to bolster up the core of the list. And now that that's all done, it's kind of time to really target the draft and, and add in a few of those little pieces to keep the youth developing through like we saw last year with a Hollands, a Bins and a Cowan. We kind of got to do that again. But when you looked at the picks we had, it was pick 17. The next best was pick 69. Great sounding pick. Love that we've managed to get that. Unfortunately, with a few things going on with um, academy selections, that we're not going to be able to hold on to that pick. But when you're trying to add youth in the draft, it's too big a gap. That's not enough going on. And it didn't also allow us to maneuver a lot to bring in players. We gave away a second round draft pick. We've given away a third last year. You need to replace that. And, and with that, 
we've basically moved back four places, only four from 17 to 21. That's not too bad. But when you look at it, we've kind of brought it from 69 all the way up to 25. Now, that is 44 picks that we've ended up moving up in the draft if you look at it that way. For me, that's a massive positive. And and what this kind of allows us to do and, and why it was so important for a guy like Nick Austin here, the list manager, to get creative, to try to offer something up was we've got a couple of different avenues we can go down now. We can either take two solid players in the draft, which is definitely better than just the one at 17 and nothing in in between between that and 69. And also in particular, what I really like about having two in the top 25 is when I've kind of ranged the draft class at the moment, I kind of see picks 15 to 30 kind of all over the place in the sense that previous years, it's been easier to maybe see the tiers in the draft. It's kind of, okay, 15 to 20 is, is solid. These are the guys you need to pick in that range. And then it drops down to 20 to 25 and 25 to 30. This year's draft, there is a little bit of that, but it feels a lot more open. It feels as if you could pick someone at pick 30 and they might be as good as the guy you're getting at 15. It's not solid and defined for me. So I don't mind us potentially having two top 25 picks there, two chances to try and get that superstar in. And again, it's only four places back. It's not that bad. In such a compromised draft, I think getting two attempts at it works really well to to add in more youth this year. And let's say we've done that strategy. I think that that's a tick for me. Apart from that, let's have a look at what else we can do with this. We can keep one of those picks, whether it's 21 or 25, and then we can use the other pick in a trade deal to acquire some more talent. We've been talking about that high half forward bringing in some speed or, or whether it's another small forward, small medium-sized marking goal-kicking forward, it allows us now to actually have some draft capital to make a deal happen because the issue we know when looking at future picks, we kind of want to hold on to a lot of those knowing we've got the Campriali twins coming through. There's two of them we have to bid and match for next year. You don't want to leave yourself in the scenario where you've traded out future picks to try and get back into the 2023 draft. And all of a sudden next year, you've got to keep doing the same, topping up from the futures. You kind of want to get settled. You don't want to do too much of that. So you're not just hurting yourself in the future when clubs go, hang on a minute, I'm not going to give you my second round pick because maybe I want one of these twins to play for me and I'm you guys can't match it currently. Why am I going to come to the table? So I think this works really well in allowing us to still have a, a top 25 pick in this year's draft, but then also... If we are looking to wheel and deal, bring another player in, we finally got some capital to make that happen. And the other, I guess, more exciting way of looking at this is we can actually use two of these picks now to potentially move higher up the draft board. Geelong's pick eight is the one that it looks like we're potentially trying to make a deal happen for. If we're able to now use two picks to move higher up, I think that that's a really smart play. And I know some have suggested, well, okay, let's say the argument here is that we're looking to trade up. We're trying to get that pick eight. Why not just keep pick 17? Because 17 is better than 21. It's better than 25. Surely if a team's looking to move back, they wouldn't want to move past that pick 17. Why would they want to move four spots further away? And I think what that allows us to do when looking in the particular example of Geelong, which is where the murmurs sound like they're going, is Geelong want future picks. 
they have set aside the 2024 drafters where they want to hit. They, they maybe don't rate this draft as much from their standpoint. They're looking to maximize 2024. And honestly, when I've looked at what I have from both years draft classes at this stage, I'd say next year's is better than this current crop particularly because this year's start is so heavily compromised with the Gold Coast Academy picks that's going to sort of ruin everything. And North just getting so many concessions as well. It's not ideal. You keep getting pushed back. Why not focus on 2024 instead? So what that allows Carlton to do in this instance is instead of us maybe having to give up, let's say, a future first-round pick that is pick 17 again, just for an example, giving up two pick 17s for pick eight, We can now give away picks 21, a future, and we've still got pick 25 there in this year's draft, and now I've also got pick eight. So we're still using two in the top 25, but we've got better picks. I think it just allows a lot more maneuverability rather than just being stationed with that pick 17 and not being able to split it or do a lot with it. I like where this is going. So I'm going to take a bit of a look and deep dive into what this option could mean for us and what a deal maybe looks like happening. So as I said, let's go pick a future first round next year. Let's say it's 17 again and pick 21 for pick eight. And I think that's overs currently points wise would say that's overs because the first and pick 21 equals 1,903 points. Let's throw in a future third that allows us again, more of those points for the Camp Reality twins. That would mean if we're looking at Geelong finishing in the same spot, it's pick eight this year, it's pick 50 next year. That equals 1,824, so close to the 1,903 that our picks are. But seeing as we're trying to get a better pick, we want that top eight pick. I think you've got to pay slightly overs, and that's probably where we're going to see that deal play out if it does happen. That's kind of where I've pegged it for, and... I think that works incredibly well for us. As I've said, looking at the draft at this stage, where we're kind of picking from, it's just so open. If we have picked 21 or if we have picked 25 by itself, yeah, there's still definitely a lot of players we could bring in. There's been talk, obviously, of the Colton Falstrup, that medium marking forward. I still, he could, could potentially still be there at pick 25. I have him exactly at this stage going pick 21, so it kind of works out well for us if we keep both. If not, and we still have pick 25, there's still kind of a lot of talent around there. If you want guys that are maybe that similar medium goal-kicking forward, you've got a Jack Deline that I rate quite a lot from South Australia, a little bit on the smaller size, but he just seems to be able to make something happen out of nothing. If you watched his under-18 carnival, definitely a lot to like from this kid. And then you got Ashton Moyer, who was very highly rated going into this year's draft. This season hasn't been amazing. He's been quite inconsistent, but there's still a lot of potential there for him to go into the midfield, to be a forward that impacts the scoreboard. Again, someone in that later 20s range that we'd still hopefully be on the board there. And it also allows us to look at and address other needs. I still think that there's a lot of talent here. You could have a look at maybe a Cooper Simpson type He's a midfielder with a little bit of dash, which I quite like. And it just bolsters maybe losing a guy like Paddy Dow, losing an Ed Kerno. You could look for a Cohen Sanchez, who's he's quite small, but he's still quick, can play as that midfielder. He spent a little bit time forward as well. So does that work really well for that mid-forward pace that we're after? 
Apart from that, you can also look at maybe a Logan Morris. He's a 192-centimeter key forward. Adds to the developing stocks with a Harry Lemmy. Or look again towards the midfield with a Charlie Edwards, who's been a bit of a late draft bolter, second half of the season, playing some really good football. I still think there's a lot of value around that pick 25 in the, the, the earliest stages of the second round. So I think there's definitely a lot for us to do there. But if we're able to trade up and get that pick eight, that's just going to be so much better because I really, for me, after that top 10, it really kind of drops off. There's a little bit of that tier kind of 10 to 15. Apart from that, it's kind of anyone's guess for me. So I like the idea of us trying to trade up, get as much as we can, but still have that pick 25 to see what we can bring in and continue to have some youth developing here. And I'm excited. Um, let me know what you think on that one, whether we should be taking both to the draft or whether we should be trying to get Geelong's pick eight, what you like, what gets the deal done, keen to know your thoughts, and, and whether you think that this Zach Fisher deal is right because he doesn't want to be there. He wants to play more midfield time off the halfback, best 22. He's just not getting that currently at Carlton with the assurity of, of four years rather than just the two. Allows him to play AFL for probably most of his career. He might get to 30 that way, whereas it maybe wasn't looking likely in that sense, playing for Carlton. So I do not begrudge him for going. The other thing, as I mentioned, that we could do with this, changing the picks, splitting 17, getting 21 and 25, both teams incredibly happy with this deal, is bringing another player in. And a lot of people probably shouting at me right now, is this what we're going to do to bring in Elijah Hollands? And this trade deal seems quite interesting because it seems very 50-50 that this one will happen. You watch, as soon as I end recording, it'll turn out that we've actually signed him. It's all happened. But at time of recording, at 5.31 p.m., Thursday the 12th of October, a deal hasn't happened, and it doesn't look super concrete. Right now, where it stands, Gold Coast, they feel like they've got quite a lot going on. They're in no rush to really make this deal happen. They're going to be pretty happy as well if they keep him. But if a deal comes to the table that they find appealing. I'm sure they'll get it done. And for Carlton, again, it's not super, super concrete. And, and my first thought on that is really that we're not going straight for this Elijah Hollands deal because we've got something else cooking. And I think that this is that Geelong pick eight trade deal we're trying to make happen. All energy is going towards that one. So you wait and see once that's hopefully done and we are able to get pick eight or it all turns to shit and that deal breaks down. I think you're going to find the attention immediately goes to Elijah. But when looking at this, Gold Coast do not need more picks in the 2023 draft. They have sorted it. They have three players in the top 15 that they have to match with bids. They have traded out. They've got all their picks ready to go to match these academy bids. They do not need anything more in 2023 because it's just going to get gobbled up as soon as a bid is there. They're worthless. Picks in this year, 21-25 to them, useless to Gold Coast. What Gold Coast is spawning here are future picks. It's what Nick Austin has spoken about, if anything is to happen with, I guess, like a Paddy Dow deal as well, getting futures in for him. I think that that's simply because we're needing draft picks next year to match our father-sons, and it allows us to get a deal like Elijah Hollands across because they're probably going to say they want a future second. 
we are probably saying, well, like maybe a Zach Fisher here, well, you guys aren't really playing him at all. He's not in your best 22. We're not, we're not just giving up for him. And I think that that's kind of why maybe Gold Coast aren't too excited at the moment. They're going, well, if you're not giving a pick to a second round pick, I don't really care. I think in the end it will work out. It's more likely going to be a future second and we get Hollands and something back. Maybe it is a future third round pick, something like that, because we just want some points. I think that's going to be enough. Might as well, like I alluded to, be that a Paddy Dow is where something else happens. We get a, a future third round pick for him, something like that. That's going to be maybe a big part of that Hollands deal. We use that pick, we transfer it across, we keep our points. And, and just looking at that Dow deal, it's probably going to be one of the only pieces of business that does go out at this stage. Some people are saying, and I want to cover this while I'm here, while I'm chatting and yabbering along, is that, hey, we're trying to move up here in the draft board for a Geelong pick. Maybe in the Paddy Dow deal, instead of getting a late pick, let's let's put up 21 and down and, and get paint Saints um, pick 13. And, okay, let's, let's see what that equates value-wise. Because Paddy Dow and pick 21 for Saints pick 13 basically evaluates Paddy Dow as pick 46. Early third rounder, I think that that's actually perfect value. Much like the Fisher trade, pick 46 equated to feels like Dow's value. Makes a lot of sense for Carlton. However, makes no sense for St. Kilda. There is no rhyme or reason why St. Kilda would be wanting to trade back from pick 13 all the way to pick 21. They don't get any future picks in this like a Geelong deal would include. They're just moving back for the sake of getting Paddy Dow. And we know how harsh Sauce is. He's going to be looking back going, mate, I'll just pick him up in the preseason. I'm not giving away too much. So that's why I think that deal is really going to be those future picks that help us get those points for the Twins, helps us in a potential trade for Hollands. Austin himself has said, that it's going to be future picks. He needs to get creative this offseason, and that's what I like. And that's why I like this deal, this Zach Fisher deal. We're getting rid of a player that's a bit of surplus to requirements. We only had picks 17 and 69 to deal with. Now we've got 21, 25, and we've still kept 69 there waiting. We can do things. Let me know. Do you want us to trade it with Geelong? Do you want us to take both to the draft? Who do you want us to pick up if you have been following? Keen to start getting a bit of draft content in there if anyone's keen for that or do we use one in the draft and use the other to acquire some other assets if so who are you wanting to bring in who do you want us to look at in the trade period i'm keen to get your thoughts drop them in the comments below if you're on youtube or if you're listening in audio podcast form head over to the socials at navy blue corner links are in the show notes so you can just want your one click away basically and let us know there in dms or tweet at us whatever you need to do the last thing I will leave you with because um, I've gone for a while. So I said this would be a little quick episode. Let's make it longer. The other thing that I wanted to touch on just quickly is Ruck Talk. Not something we've been linked with, not something I think we will cover, but I said in our list analysis episode, I think we're still slightly light on in Ruck. We saw what happened this year. Sosko, um, sorry, Deconin goes down, Pitonet goes down, and it's Soss and Lewis Young in the ruck. How bad's this? I still think we need to bring someone in there. 
What's surprising for me right now is you've got Scott Lysette and Sam Hayes, both from Port Adelaide, haven't been tabled contracts as things stand, out of contract, ready to be picked up by a suitor. I feel like if I'm playing AFL 23, which I can't at the moment because the game doesn't work, but if I was able to be playing that game, I'd be looking and I'll to be bringing in one of those guys. And it's real life, so I actually hate all that. So both of those guys are basically on the market. Any club can pick them up and, and make maybe a trade deal or even looking like it could be a delisted free agent for, for maybe at least one of them with uh, Jordan Sweet coming across, Port looking like they're also trying to get an Ivan Soldo across. Could mean one or both are gone from the club. And looking at looking at those guys, if they want to be depth play, if they want to be somewhere on a list, and I'm looking more at Hayes than a Lysette because I think Lysette's going to be wanting to playing somewhere. And if he's third cab on the rank at Carlton, I just don't see him wanting to, to say yes to that. I'm sure there's another club he can be at least a backup. But Sam Hayes was, he was third behind a Bryn Teekle who's been delisted, another one I brought up. I think Hayes or Atikel, if we need another Ruckman onto this list, at least for a year, why O'Keefe and Murkov are still developing and we've got a list spot, keep your eyes peeled because that's kind of the move that I would be doing to address the Ruck situation. Let me know your thoughts on that one. Thought I'd tease that at the end, but I may be doing a few more of these trade reaction episodes if there are any big deals that happen. If, if anything crazy happens with the Paddy Dow one, I'll be back. If we end up bringing in Elijah Hollands or who knows we, who we might bring in or if we manage to get that pick eight prized away from Geelong, I'll be here. So make sure you subscribe, you follow wherever you listen or watch us so you never have to miss it, so you don't have to be searching the socials to get that done. I'll be here reacting to all the trade news and we'll be breaking it down right at the end of the trade period with a trade review episode. But that is going to wrap up this episode. Let me know your thoughts on everything I've covered. Do you like the deal? Do you think it works? Drop it in the comments. Let us know at Navy Blue Corner. But that's going to wrap this episode up. Up the bloody baggers. See you guys next time.